<clears throat> the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather for ordered worship in the words of our own New England poet, Robert Frost. I'm going out to clean the pasture spring. I'll only stop to rake the leaves away and wait to watch the water clear I may. I shan't be gone long. You come too. We gather in the spirit of Charles Wesley who sang, Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, truth and love for all to see. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this morning in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We invite your prayerful and your material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Especially today, we are delighted to welcome our own Marsh Chapel Inner Strength Gospel Choir singing with us today under the fine leadership of Dr. Herbert Jones. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
pray. O God, whose blessed Son came into the world that he might destroy evil and make us children of God and heirs of eternal life, grant that having this hope we may purify ourselves as he is pure, that when he comes again with power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom, where he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Come Sunday, and especially in this season of the year, we recall those who, by their giving, shaped our lives. As we come to a time of meditative confession and individual prayer, and as our choir guides us, may we be mindful, thankful, grateful for those who paved our way. Let us pray. Mr. Wesley's motto, fully become ours, do all the good you can, at all the times you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, to all whoever you can. Hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you, so that, it me so that it may be well with you. Now, here is our kinsman, Boaz, with whose young women you have been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself, 
and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She said to her, All that you tell me, I will do. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 42 with the Antiphon. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me, Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. Now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. Glory to you, O Lord. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and, for the sake of appearance, say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Our poor widow summons us still with her might, M-I-T-E, her gift, and her might, M-I-G-H-T, her influence, her long shadow upon us is enough to disquiet the quietest of minds. And in her word is the gospel, lift up your hearts for this Lord's Day, the good news of artful generosity. But which is it, personal or communal? That is, first, on the one hand, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, 
She has given more than all the others because she has given out of her poverty and they out of their abundance. She has given everything she had, her whole livelihood. Jesus speaks a commendatory word, or so it seems. After worship or by email, you tell me the first memory you have of a sermon or speech on the venerable doctrine of Christian stewardship about this time of year. Inevitably, invariably, it will have involved the poor widow and her might of one sort or another. As in, there once was a single mother and son, and the son needed to visit the doctor on Friday, and the mother had to work, so she called the local Women's Society of Christian Service and asked whether someone might give him a ride. She heard nothing during the day, so in the evening they prayed, and she said, we will have to pray to God to provide a ride. We will have to ask God to give you a ride. We will have to wait on God's help. And the morning came, and with it the chauffeur to the doctor and back, and on the way home the young man said, in the innocence of youth to his driver, let me ask you something. Are you God? And she replied, farthest thing from it, by no means, but why do you ask? And he said, well, because last night I heard my mother pray, God, will you provide a ride for us this day? That is, as the psalm says, my help and my God. Help is divine. God is help. Or as Gandhi put it, for God to appear to the hungry, he will have to arrive as food. And we might add to the thirsty as drink. And we might add to the lonely as friend and to the ill as medicine and as to the war-torn as peace. My help and my God. I look across the congregations, nine of them that we have served, and in every one her shadow lingers. There in Ithaca is Amy Wetzel, caring alone for three decades for her bedridden father. There in the North Country, crusty set a mow along the frozen St. Lawrence River in the autumn, nearly single-handedly raising by visit the church's budget. In Syracuse, Mickey Murray, whose husband died at age 40, raising her three daughters and having time on a Wednesday evening to provide a meal and a fellowship for the junior MYF. And in Rochester, Barbara Steen, losing two children and her husband, her husband, the chief mentor, by the way, to Charles Foster, theologian and educator, who rose every morning and made a list of five names of people she would visit or write, or telephone. And here at Marsh Chapel, I am told through one of you, a friend of Martha Mead, who listens by the internet in County Durham in the north of England, providing the same sort of example. Jesus, it may well be, speaks a commendatory word, does he not? She, out of her poverty, has given all she had, her whole living, 
One widow we know fairly well at age 86 drives to church on Sunday morning in order, as she says, to make sure the older people have a ride to church with her. But one pictures her in 1965 at the end of October spending the last coin. You know there are some months, October being one, where there are more days than dollars in an active four-child household. There were no jack-o'-lanterns, so she spent a Kennedy silver half-dollar to make sure that on the parsonage porch, as well as the others, there were jack-o'-lanterns for the occasion. Jesus speaks a commendatory word in our experience for those who offer all that they have. You know, Mars Chapel, you people are so generous with your spirit, with your time, with your treasure, with who you are. You exemplify the gospel truth, which is you only possess what you can give away. You only truly have what you have the freedom to offer somebody else. And that's mainly your time, as in this fragment of time, one hour given in public worship to God in the service of God and neighbor. At age 11, our son was the assistant to the assistant to the assistant to the assistant for the Colgate University soccer camp, and he received at the end of the week three crisp $50 bills, his first official earnings. There there they sat on his bureau all autumn until in January his sister was ready to depart for Adelaide, Australia for six months there, and as she went, there he gave one, two, three, all that he had. Our undergraduates at Boston University have staged Margaret Edson's wonderful play, Wit, this week. It's about a poet who faces surgery and illness and Death. She is served or misserved by one of her own former students, a physician, but she's aided by the care of a nurse and by the visit of her own teacher. Why is this play three times in one year offered in walking distance of Marsh Chapel? It's perhaps because it's at the intersection of intelligence and death, at the street corner marking the streets academia, and mortality. And at the very end, in comes the aged great teacher and sits personally on the bed with Vivian Baring. She has with her only a book she was meaning to read to her grandchildren, The Runaway Bunny. And after much awkwardness, she reaches, she caresses, she holds in personal generosity her former student, and then reads about a bunny running away. I'm going to run away. If you run away, I'll come and get you. I'm going to become a fish and swim away. Well, if you do, I'll become a fisherwoman and catch you. I'm going to become a crocus and hide in the garden. Well, if you do, I'll become a gardener and weed you out. I'm going to become a bird and fly away. If you do, I'll become a tree with great branches, and you will descend and make a nest where I am. Oh. In that case, I might as well just stay here, be at home, be your little bunny. Good, she says. Have a carrot. 
here on the edge, edge of the bedside of the lifespan. An example of personal generosity. You heard it in the psalm, my help and my God, as a deer longs for streams of water, so my parched soul longs for thee, O God. If you could have heard our own ensemble, Lorelei, singing on Friday evening this very text. Here you are, your soul, your soul longs. You, you, you remember and your remembrance longs. You thirst and hunger for that which lies just beyond our range. The desire of the moth for the flame, of the night for the morrow, the devotion to something afar from the sphere of our sorrow. Yes, she, out of her poverty, gave all that she had, all that she had to live on, says Jesus in a commendatory voice. Or does he? Was that the gospel? Or was it rather not a commendatory, but a condemnatory voice, not a voice about personal generosity and its example, but a a voice to measure communal generosity, as in, she gave more than all the rest of them, for they gave out of abundance, but she gave out of her poverty all that she had, all that she had to live on. Jesus speaks in anger. He speaks in criticism. He excoriates. He judges. He conjures in your memory the the remembrance of Amos and the plumb line. Behold, I will set among my people a plumb line to measure you according to the demands of justice. Jesus sees her on this rendering and sees that while it's bad enough that the others didn't do what they could have done, it's even worse that she acts imprudently, foolishly, giving up her whole livelihood, succumbing then to who knows what. The community had forgotten her and left her behind, as communities sometimes do. As this week, one community in Chicago, the community in one sense of the whole nation, left behind a nine-year-old boy walking to his grandmother's house with a basketball under his arm, shot dead in the afternoon. As our community tends to do in forgetting as well the poverty of the outlying country all about us, the rural poverty, there are more poor children in rural poverty than in any other category across the country. As in the marked difference between those children of the bottom quintile, 20% of our economic demographics, only 8% of whom progress through college, and the top 20%, the top quintile, 84% of whom travel and progress through college. Jesus reserves his harshest language, one takes it personally and rightly so, for religious leadership. We shall have occasion at the end of the month to return to his voice there. He speaks here in a harsh way, but nowhere near as harshly as in Luke, where he is heard to say, place this against the demands of 
ancient holiness. They are like whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Robes, banquets, long prayers, positions. We need to listen, especially those of us commissioned, given over to religious life and to religious leadership. And a word of caution for those of us who are religious, Christian, Protestant, Methodist, Marsh Chapel, other. It may well be that there is, again, a spotlight upon ministerial misconduct, say, in another denomination, but no religion has a corner on the market of clergy abuse. We have our own issues to deal with. Two of the nine congregations that Jan and I have served have, in the decades prior to our arrival, lived through the trauma, the travail of clergy misconduct. It stays. It stays and lingers. And so Jesus' word, harsh word, calling for a measurement on the basis of this widow's might, not M-I-T-E, but might, M-I-G-H-T, to recall us to the biblical teaching. You have finished probably already the 600 plus pages of Thomas Piketty's book Capital. So you know what is happening with the evolution, the accumulation, and the concentration of wealth across the globe in our time. And you know that the issue of inheritance, once thought by the board, has returned and returned with a vengeance, so to speak. It reminds us of St. Paul, 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, the best outworking of the widow's might in Scripture, where he says, Let those who have much not have too much. Let those who have little not have too little. It's a biblical condition. So Ruth and Naomi need one another. They need some strategy. They need the courage to change and to change, in one case, religious tradition, to find their future and their home in the full community. It's a biblical teaching. So Paul Farmer, perhaps one of your heroes as well, spoke this week at the College of General Studies. He signed books, according to Dean McKnight, for five hours following his talk until every student had had his book or her book signed and had had a conversation. Mountains beyond mountains echoes still. It is a biblical teaching like that of James McCann, our honored annual university lecturer who spoke to us about the Blue Nile and about coupling change that is human and natural both and guiding us to a better and to a fuller future. Make no mistake, her might is as biblical as Amos in the 8th century. I put before you this same plumb line. Let justice roll down as waters and righteousness as an ever-flowing stream. So, while this tone of voice in Jesus' part is nowhere near as helpful on the average stewardship Sunday, and while it's nowhere near as traditionally lifted, as the other. What fits in this text is the second. Did you notice the clinch? Devours 
widows' houses. Mark has put these two together, the general proposition to begin, and the example of the widow, the poor widow, and her might to conclude. In other words, she, out of her poverty, has given more than all the others. She gave away everything she had, all she had to live on. The poor widow casts her shadow across us to this day. Her might, her personal example, and her might, her measure of communal generosity, challenge us still. It's enough to disquiet the quietest of minds. Which is it, this artful generosity? Personal or communal? Merciful or just? individual or societal? Friend, truth to tell, if we are going to have any future worthy of the name, we are going to need both in full measure. Her example of personal generosity and her measure of communal generosity and its lack. Or at least that is the gospel so provided for us in St. Mark in the 12th chapter and the 38th verse. We come now to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. God of life, we praise you for abiding your abiding presence from generation to generation, blessing your people, strengthening us to lives of service, empowering us to witness. Hear the prayers we offer on behalf of your creation. I will end each petition with, hear us, O God, and the response will be, your mercy is great. O God, strengthen your church to do your work in the world. Remind us of your eternal presence so that we may share your peace and love with others. 
Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Help us to maintain the balance of your creation by recognizing our interconnection with the entire earth. Enable us to identify the ways that we create damage and give us hope to change those ways. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Draw leaders away from bitterness and into your ways of kindness and mercy. Replace blame and malice with forgiveness and justice. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Sustain all whose journey feels too hard to bear. Restore the hope of all who despair. Comfort those who are poor, oppressed, persecuted, or homeless. Heal the sick and comfort the grieving, including those we name silently before you now. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Bless this congregation that we may continue in your service to the community of Boston University and the city of Boston. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Grant that as we serve you now on earth, so may we one day rejoice with all the saints in your kingdom of light and peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. 
We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbors so that we can get to know you better and get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We are grateful for the presence and voice and ministry among us this morning of the Inner Strength Gospel Choir under the direction of Herb Jones. Thank you for being here and for leading us in our anthems this morning. We also lift up our ensemble in residence, uh, Lorelei, whose concert this afternoon at 3 p.m. we encourage you to attend right here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. Next Sunday at Marsh Chapel is the continuation of our Bach Cantata series, this year emphasizing the Easter Cantatas of Bach and the theme of resurrection. We encourage you to join us at 945 here in the nave for the Bach experience and opportunity to unpack the music, text, and context of the cantata, and then at 11 for the performance of the cantata in the context of the liturgy. If the music of Marsh Chapel has touched you, and as the preaching of Marsh Chapel has helped you, and as the liturgy of Marsh Chapel has encouraged you, please consider making a donation in support of our ministry. This could be a first-time gift of $40 for student ministry or a lifetime gift of $4 million to finish endowing the deanship. Or anything in between. This fall, please consider a thoughtful gift in support of music that touches, preaching that helps, and liturgy that encourages, so that what has been meaningful to you may continue to be meaningful to others. Those of you here in the chapel may find a pledge card in your bulletin. They will be available throughout the fall for those who would like to offer an estimate of their 2016 giving. For those participating from afar on the radio or the internet, you may wish to signal online by a one-time gift or by scheduling regular gifts through the chapel website at bu.edu chapel or by mailing a check to 735 Commonwealth Avenue. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we listen again to inner str- the Inner Strength Gospel Choir. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
a prayer from the Unitarian Universalist tradition. For the gifts which we have received and the gifts which we ourselves are, may we be truly grateful. May we be committed to using these gifts to make a difference in the world, to increase love and justice, to decrease hatred and oppression, to expand beloved community, to share and to keep on sharing. For all this we pray, amen.
May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever.